iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yo, technology, what is it all about? Let's talk about busking. Okay, if we just get straight into it. Let's just get straight into the beef. Let's get straight into the beef. (laughs) It's so funny to me because... I agree that that is kind of how people are thinking of it these days. That is back ass words. <laughs> um, okay. It is so funny Explain. because people used to pay for things <laughs> that they used. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley, your weekly dispatch from behind the scenes and inside the minds of the top people in tech. This week, I braved an absolutely torrential downpour and traipsed all the way across San Francisco to get to this week's guest. It was terrible, but the pod never sleeps, and I think you will find that it was worth it. So this week on the program, we have Jack Conti, who's the founder of Patreon, which, if you don't know what it is, is a platform where artists and musicians, even even podcasters... Find fans who pay for whatever it is that they're doing, even though they could just get it for free like everybody else does. So one way to think of Patreon is the internet's biggest tip jar. Uh, Now Jack, as you will soon see, will take issue with that description. But I think you'll find his views very interesting because, well, not least because his whole business is based on the idea that people will pay and happily do so for stuff that they don't actually have to pay for and lots of people do this so the site started six years ago and it sent about a billion dollars to creators so given how much stuff we get today for free i thought it was worth having him on to talk about this quixotic mission he's on to kind of do the opposite and why he thinks there's going to be more and more of this so you know basically get out your wallets you know the freebies are over i'll be interested to see what you think of it so without further ado i give you jack conti i'm so interested in what you're doing because you've been doing this since 2013 may 7th i've been for 48 hours so you're probably going to take umbrage at this, but I think like this idea of busking as a business model, which I don't know if you agree with that categorization, I think is really interesting because I'm seeing more and more of it. Mm-hmm. For example, The Guardian, mm-hmm. at the bottom of every article, mm. it says, please give us money. Yeah. Because the old way doesn't work anymore, obviously. Right. Then you have like Twitch streamers are like, you can tip me yeah. my online tip jar or whatever. Yeah. And then, of course, what you're doing, but if you just explain... Sure. What you're doing and kind of how many people are using it and what's happening. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for artists to get paid. We think of it as membership. It's basically allows a fan to own their audience. 
we give you the email addresses of your fans. They can become a member, like uh, you become a member of SF MoMA or Danny in the Valley. Great. Um, it's a tried and true business that's been around for a long time. Membership, recurring payments. So a creator, we allow a creator to set up their own membership, different tiers, so and price points. So maybe a five dollar tier, a ten dollar tier, and a twenty five dollar tier. And then you get subscription payments from fans, direct from fan to creator. There's a CRM, a CMS in the background, so you can deliver exclusive content to your fans or you can send them special rewards or have a little member-only community experience, something like that. That's what Patreon does. We allow you to power that membership experience across the web. Let's talk about busking. Okay, if we just get straight into it. Let's just get straight into the beef. Let's get straight into the beef. (laughs) It's so funny to me because... I agree that that is kind of how people are thinking of it these days. That is back ass words. <laughs> um, okay. It is so funny Explain. because people used to pay for things <laughs> that they used. <laughs> it, for sure. Yeah. But this whole idea that basically, I'll use my industry, which I know well, newspapers. Yeah. Internet arrives and we just give it all away for free. Everything goes up online and it's immediately free. But that's the backwards thing. Like, what is that world? That's only existed for 15 years and it's so weird. But that is what's happening now. And what I, I mean, agree. what's interesting now is that you have New York Times, Washington Post, et cetera. Right. Ourselves. Right. Subscribers. Yeah. That subscription model seems to be kind of making a comeback and it's growing and it's in some cases doing quite well. But generally, people are getting stuff for free and they don't want to pay for it. I know. What's infuriating to me about that is the first version of the web that we've set up is based on this weird love triangle between person who makes the thing, person who consumes the thing, and then advertiser who kind of gets in between the person who wants the thing and the person who makes the thing. And that's where the revenue comes from. That's how money is generated. And consumers end up paying for it with their privacy and their attention. And that's a really weird business model. It is the business model. It's the of business model the of the internet, web. Though. Yeah. I don't think that's a great business model. In fact, I think it has a lot of downsides. I think it's first of all, it's really inefficient. Let's say you have twenty thousand readers of your blog every month. You make very little money from that through advertising. That's like a basketball stadium full of humans who want your next thing and have subscribed to you and can't wait to read the thing that you're doing. And it's wild to me that you get paid a few hundred bucks from that. You should be making tens of thousands of dollars a month from that. And so a, a business model where people pay for other people and, and it's consumer payments as opposed to you know using this weird engine of, of advertising to drive content production. Yeah. So is that, is that world that you're trying to craft, is it, is it working? Yeah, it's it's working really well. <laughs> um, this year, we're going to send over $500 million to creators. And this is from people just say, I like a certain podcast or a certain artist or whatever, and be like, just keep doing what you're doing. Here's my five bucks a month. You take that. Exactly. And then you take a cut of that. Yeah. In exchange, the member gets you know exclusive access, or they get a little community that they're a part of, a little exclusive community for that creator, or some extra merchandise or something like that. There's benefits associated with being a member. It's not like the red cross it's not charity so 500 million what is your ta- what is your cut of yeah that? patreon's patreon's fee is five percent yeah you can I'll, I'll let you do the math <laughs> as 25 to, million sure yeah right yeah that's pretty good yeah is that sustainable long term though because obviously you've raised a boatload of money right yeah yeah over 100 million dollars right mm-hmm. from the kushners from the kushner family is mm-hmm. that right from thrive capital yeah yeah <laughs> 
Yeah. So Jared's not involved. Jared is not involved. Right. So $25 million a year, I mean, is that enough to kind of make this thing tick? $25 million a year, you mean, of Patreon revenue? Yeah. As a business. That's what I'm trying to get at. So yeah. when you have this kind of, it's kind of volunteer, uh, kind of a volunteer army of people who are sponsoring stuff that they like. Yeah. It feels like that's, you're always one mood swing away or kind of swipe away from people being like, hmm, actually, I don't like that person that much anymore. I'm just going to go ahead and stop that. Right. I know. The amazing thing about creators is they, they're really good at this, just naturally. The average creator doubles their earnings within their first year, almost doubles their earnings. And over the first- Coming on to Patreon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in the first two years, their earnings keep climbing, actually three and a half X- what they earned in that first month. So creators are really good at finding new patrons and building their business and talking to their patrons about what they want. And is, so, it, is it always, uh, is it mostly just individuals effectively? You mean like the, the, the creators? Side? The creators. Many times it's individuals. There are organizations too though. There's creative teams, like for instance, Kind of Funny and uh, Phil DeFranco. These are folks who have teams of people and office spaces and stuff right. like that. And they are basically living off Patreon. I mean, they have other revenue streams as well, but yeah, they're making a lot of money through membership. And do you think this will just remain kind of an interesting corner of the web slash economy, or do you feel like this is growing, becoming something bigger? You're talking about the weird love triangle, Facebook? (laughs) Right. Everybody's suggesting to them over the past year, you should start a subscription. Yeah. You know, effectively create your own Patreon model. Totally. And they're just like, no. Yeah. Why would we do this? Mm Mm-hmm. We have the one of the greatest advertising money-making machines in the history of humanity. Why would we ever give that up? Yeah. Oh, so many thoughts on this. Yeah. You're going to have to just tell me to shut up. Okay, go, no, <laughs> okay. go, go. So first of all, yeah, these platforms, their customer is the advertiser. They build products for advertisers. And they need audience and they need content. And right now, creators supply content to them and they show it to the audience and then they build products for advertisers, right? That's that's who pays them. So they will keep building for advertisers. So it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that like this problem of not getting paid enough for your content, that's a problem for creators, not a problem for advertisers. So it's not really a priority. I mean, YouTube's my favorite company in the world. I mean, I don't, I don't blame them. I know a lot of people are angry at them and I've been frustrated with them too, but you know, they help me build an audience. I'm, I'm happy with them. I do think that this is growing and this is going to be a thing. I think the first version, again, the first version of the web is this free version of the web where we're using attention and privacy to yeah. fund it. And I think the next version of the web is, I think consumer payments is much more integrated into into the web. And I think that's ultimately what's going to drive the next wave of really beautiful art and production. Basically a web funded by superfans. Yeah. That feels like a big leap. I know. Some people don't see it. Some people do. Patreon is not for everybody. Yeah. It's for your top 5% of your fans. Like New York Times, the majority, I think they just announced that the majority of the revenue, maybe this was last year or something, is actually not coming from advertising anymore, but it's com- coming from- From subscriptions, yeah. Consumer payments. And, and yeah. Garden as well. I know you know, Wikipedia has a similar has a similar thing. So like, can it work? Can it be a functional business model? Yes. Is it a hard business model and difficult to nail and and to own and to build? Yes, totally. I think membership organizations, online membership organizations are a new idea and they're being defined right now and people are trying a whole bunch of different things. There's this bubbling brew that people are sort of experimenting with, but it's working really well. I mean, this year we'll pass a billion dollars paid to creators. 
Wow. And how many creators are on Patreon right now? There's over 100,000 creators that are making money, like financially active creators. And there's about 3 million patrons. And what's the average tip payment, whatever you want to call it? Patrons are paying about somewhere around 11 or 12 bucks a month. Does the audience, do they have a few that they're spreading that money around to? Yeah. Half of Patreon's like processed payments come from people who have more than one membership. Right. Mm -hmm. In terms of, because you're at a quite interesting perch in the world. Mm -hmm. In terms of those 100,000 creators you said? Yeah. Is there a surge in a certain type of art or content that is really kind of coming onto the platform? Because what I think is interesting is that obviously the internet has destroyed a lot of the old systems. Mm -hmm. Whether you're a musician or a journalist or an artist or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I imagine you're getting a lot of kind of refugees of old businesses or people starting kind of whether it's podcasters, I don't know if that's a big thing. Obviously, those are growing. Yeah, so what's what's happening? Yeah. Um, so Patreon works for anybody who posts regularly online and has a community of people who enjoy their stuff. So it's not particular to one genre, but the, the big genres, the big media, I guess, are podcasting, video, web comics, illustration, writing, games. Those are some of the biggest categories on illustration. Patreon. Illustration. Illustration drawing deviant art there's so many deviant like, art are you not familiar with deviant art? i'm not oh my goodness you got to go check out deviant art um what? it's like og <laughs> internet it's it's um it's people who draw stuff it's all visual art no video right just visual art there's like a ton of fan art there's there's like anime art i mean basically you find anything it's like the youtube for illustrators it's awesome. Yeah, you yeah, should yeah. check out DeviantArt. Yeah. And that's a that's a, a big category too. On right. Patreon. Yeah. But that's what I'm – so you say podcasters, but that's yeah. that's like a perfect example of like there's a bajillion podcasts. They're all free. Why would anybody pay for it? Who, who are your favorite creators? Uh, I listen to a lot of uh, the podcasts on The Ringer, so the Bill Simmons podcast. I listen to a lot of basketball podcasts, The Low Post. So they're all kind of like The Low Post is part of ESPN. The Ringer is its own business that appears to be thriving. So, the, and then the Daily from the New York Times, and then a smattering of other stuff. Is there anything that? Because for me, as a as a fan, I have about 120 subscriptions on YouTube. I say I have zero subscriptions on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a little bit of a fanboy. Some of these creators, I've been on YouTube for over a decade, and I've been following some of these people for many many years. Yeah, I think I sometimes I weird people out when I tell this story, but I literally have dreams about these creators that I that make vlogs and talk to me and tell me about their lives. Like I feel that's so, a little weird. I <laughs> I feel like I'm hanging out with them. Like I feel so connected right. to them. They're a part of my life. Like they're they're movie stars to me. They speak more specifically to me than any channel on television, right? Because yeah. it's it's this subgenre that has a lot of resonance with me in particular. I just want them to be successful, make more great right. stuff, and I want to be a part of that. And that's a feeling that a lot of fans have. They have this feeling of wanting to be a part of the creator's journey, wanting to step up and not just like and comment and favorite, but actually put their money what where their mouth is and vote for something that's important in the world. So I did this big uh, magazine piece on the gaming world, mm-hmm. Fortnite mm-hmm. particularly, yeah. and talking to kids on Twitch. Mm-hmm. And then they'll follow a certain streamer and they'll just like put money into the tip jar online. And I'm yeah. like, why? 
why are you doing this? Why are you doing this when yeah. you can get, you, you don't have to. Yeah. And yet a third of Twitch's revenue is coming from those tips. <laughs> yeah. And that's, so that's what I'm, so I'm just trying to figure out that dynamic because it's like, uh, it does seem to be, you know, businesses like this, the kind of voluntary, almost donations, businesses are being built up on that. And it does feel like it kind of flies in the face of... Capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's a psychological phenomenon going on there that I think... I actually, I don't have any data about this. This is just my this okay. is wild Let's hypothesis. Go, yeah. We're we're in we're Let's in Jack Dream in. World here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like there's this thing about new generations where there's this desire to be good world citizens and to be socially responsible. And look, if the chicken was raised improperly, I don't want to eat it. And look, if you're you know if this if these diamonds aren't sourced f- from you know healthful mines, like I don't I I don't want to participate. I don't want to buy it. There's a desire to vote with your dollars. I think that especially is is becoming more mainstream with with younger generations. Social media in particular has created a world full of investigative reporters, and we're just kind of. As a species, we're getting a, a look into how messed up some of these systems are that we've built. And that's a scary, it's a scary first look. And I think a lot of us are wanting to correct that. And so we're, we're paying for what we feel like is just and right. So you mentioned social media. I was talking to the, the founders of House Party. And they're talking about the, you know, the lonely, loneliness epidemic that a lot of young people feel because they're all living their life through their phones, etc. And this desire to kind of find your own tribe. So I was. I wonder if you are seeing or benefiting from that phenomenon of people actually seeking out. Okay, these are my people. I want to kind of join this person, this group, this interest, whatever, because that's how I'm going to identify and kind of create my community. You're saying if we're seeing people, yeah. So is it? I don't know. Do you have a lot of teens or young people or people who are? Do you see that dynamic of people feeling more lonely and looking for their tribe mm, I, I, ending I, up here? So we have asked patrons like, "Hey, why are you why are you a patron? Like, what are, what are some of the great things why are you, you doing get? this, man? Yeah, no, totally. We do. <laughs> you can imagine that's a very important question for us, right? We want to know the answer to that. Yeah. We have research teams that want to learn that and deeply understand that. And yeah, one thing that we found, one thing that create if if a creator can can help patrons feel a sense of belonging." That's a really important thing for a patron, right? A lot of people identify with the artists that they love, and it's a part of it, right? Your music is like a part of you. It's a part of your soul. The movies that you like, these are things that kind of, for many people, define them. And so, yeah, if you can find your tribe, you know, through this community, if you can feel a sense of belonging and connect with other like-minded folks, that's important. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. How'd you get involved with this? How did I get involved yeah, with this? Yeah, why did you start this? Yeah. What would, what'd you do before you were a, um, an internet socialist? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> you can take a moment me, to process. I'm going to take a moment to process that. <laughs> it's so funny. I don't think of it like that, and um, but that's a okay. We can get about that. Talk about that later. <laughs> um, actually, I want to get into one more thing. You okay. did you did mention Josh Kushner, and I do want to talk about him because okay. he's a wonderful, kind-hearted, creator-first, patient, long-term person, and. I think it makes me sad that people associate that people judge a book by its cover. And yeah, because well, obviously the, the Kushner name is problematic. I mean, let's say for a lot. Do of you have any family members who you disagree with who think or do? All my family you... is fantastic. <laughs> not, right. a, not, a, not a single black sheep okay. anywhere. So yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I hear and, you. And like, the dude is so good to his core. It bums me out when people when people talk poorly of him and, and maybe it's not in Patreon's best interest for me to be bringing this up and I should just throw him under the bus, but I, I can't, I, I won't do that. He's too good. And I, it, it pains me that the world doesn't know that or just makes assumptions about a human. I do. I just wanted to I appreciate say that. that. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, let's get back. How did I get into this? Was your yeah. Other so question. how did you, yeah, exactly. How did I get into this? <laughs> um, I've been a creator for the last 10 years. I'm still a creator. Last year, I released 100 music videos. I, you released 100 music videos? I did, yeah. 50 with one band and 50 with another band. 52. So maybe a little over 100 music videos. Wow. What kind band. of music? One is a funk band called Scary Pockets, and one is an indie pop rock band called Pomplamoose that I've had for 10 years. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I got into it because of Pomplamoose and my own solo career. I've been a creator on YouTube for the last 10 years, and I've been uploading YouTube videos and making things for my fans and making... So uh, how, how old are you? I'm 33. Oh God, I forgot how old yeah, I am. I think okay. I'm 34. Yeah. Right. Oh God, I literally forgot how old. I'm yeah. 33 or 34. So you are a millennial, yes. so to speak. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, so you were back in the day on YouTube. Yep. Making videos. Making videos w- from a very young age and uh, built a following, built a fan base. I'd put out videos. I'd get a million views on a video, a few hundred thousand subscribers, bought a house off of MP3 sales. Pop-Lose really? Is, yeah. Very successful band. Yeah. We would do big brand deals too. We'd make a bunch of money from from brand deals. But years down the road and, you know, streaming kicks in and Pomplamoose isn't outputting a video every week and I'm working on my stuff and I'm wanting to level up my videos and level up my creation. And I spent about 10000 bucks on a music video. I drained my savings account, maxed out two credit cards, and it involved like a 3D hexapod robot and like an animatronic head um, that was singing the lyrics. I went. Crazy. You went. You went all in. I went all in on this video. You have and to. You have to send me the link to that. I'll send you the link. Yeah. Um, I sort of couldn't stomach the idea that I was going to post this video and make two hundred bucks of ad revenue from it. I, I could. I was like, no, this, there's something wrong here. Right. 
And I I made a behind the scenes video too, so my fans could see all the work and time and energy. They went nuts. My fans went nuts for this video. It was the best thing I ever made. And it was just crazy to me that I was going to be paid $200 for this. It was so backwards. And that's when I started thinking about this concept of like, well, gosh, I knew my fans would totally rally if I just said, hey, will you, will you become a member? Will you pay me five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month? Um, I didn't know people would pay me that much. I thought maybe people would pay me a buck a month. But, you know, within two weeks of launching the site, I was making somewhere around four or $5,000 within two weeks. And my co-founder, Sam, built the whole site by himself, by the way, in three months. And yeah, after we launched, I was, I was crushing it as an independent artist, you know, making a lot of money. And other creators saw that. So that was kind of a night and day type of... Overnight. Right. Launch on Patreon, not doing anything differently, and suddenly I'm making $5,000 a month. It was right. game-changing. Yeah, of course I'm biased, but other other creators saw this too and thought, okay, this is game changing. And we didn't do any sales or marketing at first. It was just all organic mm-hmm. word of mouth. People started signing up and, you know, starting memberships and, and making money from subscription payments. An army of mini Medicis. I like it. Yeah. Without the negative side effects and, yeah. and mistreatment there's, there's, of people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some problematic parts right. of that, but yeah. yeah. Right. So you started that and then, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to make a company out of this. It's funny because that was a, I actually recently interviewed Rhett and Link. They're YouTube YouTubers. And if you go to their studio now, it's this, there's 35 people working there. They have a soundstage and a green screen and like, and it's this huge operation. And I asked them that same question. I was like, so so you, then you were like, okay, we're making a company. Yeah. And, they were, and they said exactly what happened to me, which is it's a fade-in. What happens is you launch this product and then it's out there. Yeah. And then tons of people are writing in and they're asking for features and they're saying, you do this and I want this different and make this happen. And you're trying to respond to them and you don't, you can't. So you need to raise money to hire people to go. So you raise a little bit of money. And, then, and it was like one incremental logical step to the next. And yeah, it is weird to like, if I were to just blink my eyes and fast forward six years and I'm running a tech company, that's super weird to yeah. me. But yeah, it's been, I've been surrounded by incredible people, I, right? I didn't do this. this yeah. It doesn't feel like mine anymore. It feels like ours. And I've had so much help and encouragement and support along the way. So it's, it really has just been one logical step to the next. And so when did you raise your first round of money then? It was... Let's see. We launched in May. I think we raised within about three or four months is when we raised our first round. So you put together a deck and you do start doing the rounds of Silicon Valley. A deck is very generous. (laughs) But yeah, it was something like that. We had some slides and some numbers, but we didn't know what the heck was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Thrive has been your backer since since that first round, effectively? Yeah. Well, no, they weren't in the seed round. They put a little bit of money in the A and then they led the B and the C. Now you've got over $100 million that you've yeah. raised. We did a $2 million seed, a $15 million A, a $30 million B, and, uh, and double that as the C. Wow. Will you need to raise again? Probably. Did you read my Twitter thread about this? I did not. I read a, I read a, I read a Twitter thread by somebody else, which... Yeah, I read that one too. <laughs> <laughs> For those listening at home, yeah. there's a... That was the name Ben Olson or Dan Olson or something. Yeah. It was just saying this is you're doomed to to failure. Yeah. Basically this is not sustainable. Right. Long term. Yeah. I I have been hearing that uh, for a long time, for I imagine. A long time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, we'll, I'm sure we'll raise again. You know, one thing I didn't understand as a creator that I, I now understand is the compounding complexity of scaling a global technology product. The number of systems that need to be maintained and need to scale, human and technical and operations and internal, it's unfathomable. I mean, some of the things I wrote in my Twitter thread are like, Look, there was a period of time last year where we were getting 15 or 16,000 support tickets a month. We have to answer all those emails. That's a that's a big support team. 10% of our team is uh, is like content policy and trust and safety operations. We have like a creator success team. We work one-on-one with creators. Right now, we have such a wide product. We don't even have product teams that are servicing every area of our product. And we should. Like we're we're letting our creators down. Um, it's, it feels very similar, honestly, to the to the first few years of the company where we're getting all these emails and we're like, oh my gosh, we have to build that. We have these people need this. They have this problem. So will will we raise again? Yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll raise again. I think it's pretty well very common for technology companies to continue raising for, you know, five or ten years. Yeah. Um, at least. How do you police the platform? Because yeah. uh, obviously, I think it was the most infamous, famous, infamous person who got on Patreon was Milo Yiannopoulos. Yeah, and he lasted a day before you guys gave him the boot. Because this is a community of creators, I imagine lots of people are pushing certain boundaries. Totally, totally, and that's I would say Patreon has a, in some ways, a very liberal content policy, um, very open content policy, then in some areas we have like very little tolerance. Like we have very little tolerance for hate speech and bigotry and hatred and racism. Like just if you want to do that, go do it somewhere else. And that upsets a lot of people, by the way. There are people who disagree with that viewpoint, but that's a, that's a line in the sand that I feel proud of and comfortable with. And, and we, yeah, we're not messing around. We we're, we're real about that. And in terms of like how we enforce it, we don't have teams that are proactively reviewing everything that happens on Patreon. We respond to reports. So people will report something and then we'll investigate and we'll see if there's a violation of the content policy. If so, we'll ping the creator. Nine times out of 10, it works out and we're able to educate the creator on what the content policy is. A lot of people just don't know. And so people are naturally pushing the boundaries. That's what artists do. Yeah, we we have a team literally that works one-on-one with creators and helps them understand the content policy and what it means and why and people are are scared obviously about this. It's a it's a source of fear for people. And so they'll ask us like, "Hey, is this a violation? Is this like is this okay? Can I do this?" And we work with them and answer those questions and most of the time it works out. Um and occasionally we have to take a creator down, but you can imagine we don't want to do that for a bunch of reasons. One, I mean, just financially, we're incentivized to keep that creator on on Patreon. But two, that creator has a massive audience and they're going to go tell everybody that they got taken. So like, we don't want to do that if we don't have to. But there are also times where money laundering, fraud, bigotry, racism, violence, threats, like there's so many categories of things that we can't have on Patreon. Do you have a lot of influencers on the platform? I mean, everybody on the platform is. So that's why I was. I, the reason I ask is I was just on the way over here. I was somebody sent me a, a report that has just come out about influencer fraud. Yeah, and how a lot of big, some of the biggest brands are like you know paying for followers, fifty percent of which are fake. They're bots, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's this whole um, there's an attitude around 
influencers and you know especially i'm sure you saw the fire festival documentary or maybe you haven't i haven't seen it yet but a friend recommended it to me <clears throat> it's, a, it's a, just like this really interesting online world where you know people are talking to a screen and they're they're very good at creating a following but it's kind of like well what are they doing and what are they trafficking in etc yeah and i was just wondering i mean you're an influencer right i mean you that's kind of as an artist on youtube that's how you started yeah yeah, I. It's weird. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't be so down on this, but that word is just weird to me. I agree. <laughs> um, for me, for me, if someone when I hear that, it kind of there is a stigma. There, there's something that kind of like it gives me a reaction. It like rubs you the yes, wrong. Yeah. Yes. Just that simple word. Yes. Yeah. And for me, I think I think what it is. I, I think I've figured out why that word bugs me. It's because it commoditizes creators. It strips away everything that is unique and special and different about them, picks out just the fact that they can influence people, and then it sells that influence as a commodity in a marketplace, almost as if you're buying corn or buying steel or buying influence. (laughs) It's like this influence is no different from that influence. And like as a person, my response is, wait a minute. I'm not an influencer. I'm an artist. <laughs> like I'm a, I'm unique, and and I my voice is different than that person's voice. And what makes me special is not influence. It's my voice. It makes me feel like a commodity. It makes me feel purchasable. Yeah. Um, which is kind of just blech. Yeah. Because we did a thing about this issue of influencer fraud, and I ended up finding this guy Casper something. I can't remember his name. He's an influencer in the UK, and he makes kind of funny videos. But it's not. I wouldn't you know, let's call it pop art. It's not exactly high art. Yeah. It's like him and his buddies pulling pranks on each other. Sure. And he did this one with sponsored by Maltesers. He filled his friend's car full of Maltesers and it was hilarious. Yeah. But he was paid $250,000 by Mars for an afternoon of, you know, filling his buddy's car with yeah chocolate balls. Yeah. Did he disclose that in the video? No, but it was, I mean, it was, no, he didn't. Yeah. So I think there are laws now around that. Around well, so yeah, it's all very murky. But in a way, just thinking out loud about what you're doing, it's in its way, it's kind of much more pure. Because if I'm watching that video, it's not, it's not, this is sponsored by Mars. It is, he's using these Mars products. They're having a great time. Isn't this wonderful? And then he gets, at the end of the day, he gets a very big fat check and then gets a few million views and it's all good. But that transaction is not clear. That's what I meant at the beginning when I said people pay for it with their privacy and their attention. There's cost here. It's not free. <laughs> and do you think it's getting, I mean, just the, the, the machinery of the internet isn't making it easier to do what you are doing? You know, with micropayments or, you know, there's just increased digitization of everything. You know, now I don't, basically I never use cash. I just use mm-hmm. Apple Pay. Yeah. Whatever. I've started doing that too. It's so great. Yeah. I just started like a couple months ago. It's yeah, me too. fantastic. I and I don't so know why. Easy. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just this idea that you can kind of just, as you're going around the web, the, I, you know, an alternative future where you just be like, oh, I like that. I'm going to, here's 50 cents for that article. Here's a dollar for this picture I saw, whatever. Do you think that is the direction of travel or is that just pie in the sky craziness? I think that's a slightly different model and it has a lot of friction associated with it. I mean, there is a company called Flatter that um, I think that was sort of the, the vision of Flatter yeah. was these like, oh, I'm 50 cents here and 25 cents there. And 
Oh, I think yeah, that is a that's a really cool vision, and I, I maybe that maybe that will work. I yeah, it hasn't kind of become the way the web works yet. It it still might, but I do I do think a lot of it is going to be like removing the friction on the on the consumer side. You know, that's the nice thing about subscription payments is it just makes it really easy to support a person for a long period of time. And you don't have to keep taking action and keep trying. Like if you, you pick your favorite creators, you become a member and then it's easy. So there's something about that that's just very simple, I guess. So is that any different than a fan club? Oh, deep intake, <laughs> yeah. deep intake of Look, breath. Look, I got an opinion on everything. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's good. Uh, we, like, we like that. Uh, yeah. Um, Here's what I don't like about the word fan club. And and look, how you position it is like whatever makes sense to you, right? Yeah. So so if that's how you're going to think, you know, if somebody thinks about it, great. Yeah. Um, the reason I don't like to think about it like that is just because language and, and words carry associations and, and baggage with them. And when I think about fan clubs, I think about like Mickey Mouse. And I think about – it feels like kind of nerdy and just – I don't feel like I'm – doing good for the world when I join a fan club. I don't feel like I'm voting with my dollars. I don't feel like I'm partaking in something that is important right. and bigger than myself. All of those associations and, and psychological, all that psychological baggage comes along with that word, if that's the headline in our minds. And um, I think membership, functionally, there are similar things about it, but membership has a different set of associations with it. Then there are also some like business differences that are that are core. So for example, when you think of a fan club, you think of a way for fans to do cool, exciting, special things. When I think of Patreon, I think of a SaaS platform for artists to build and grow their businesses. And fan club is like a small portion of that but it doesn't it doesn't have a crm and a cms and business tools and patron acquisition tools and all the things that creators need and want to market and grow their subscription businesses so you know it's just a language thing but yeah i hope that yeah yeah that makes sense okay (laughs) um before i forget do you have um a lot of our listeners are in the uk Uh uh-huh do you have any sense of how much you guys have going on there in terms of i don't know members or creators I don't know the English speaking countries. So, so, you know, United States and Australia and um, the UK and Canada are the biggest yeah. areas for Patreon. So much so, actually, I'm going to uh, tomorrow. I'm going to the UK to talk at uh, VidCon. Oh, cool. Um, we have a, a lot of creators over there and we. Um, what is VidCon? Is that video game conference? Um, yeah. It's online video, the online right. video conference. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, there are a ton of creators in the UK video creators, vloggers. What's all the kinds weirdest? Of or the most out there type of thing that's not, like type of creator, like, I don't know, like a, just making this up taxidermy or something or. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Just to kind of give a sense of the kind of. The breadth. <laughs> yeah. Like, so there are developers. Um, that's not weird, but like there are software developers that that's are using weird. Patreon for membership and for subscription payments to develop their software. And their benefits right. are like releases of the software people do similar things with like games right they build games and they use patreon to finance the building of the game and they have different tiers of membership in the game we've seen it this is not like how we expected the platform to be used but we've seen a couple even like retail locations start a patreon page and it's like hey we got members so it's like physical membership at the retail location you'll get like 
special really? access and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Wicked Grounds. Oh, I only have one hand, so I can't yeah, yeah. I can't type. But I, there's a, a coffee shop in a couple different places that um, have started Patreon pages, which is wasn't what we intended, but it's awesome. Yeah. But you do feel like this movement against the kind of the internet as we know it today, the first 20 years of it, that that's gaining momentum toward a different model or perhaps one that traffics in different things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and just just look at the, you know, a lot of the Chinese tech companies already have subscription payments built into the platforms or, or consumer payments built into like content and distribution platforms. And I think I think US markets are going to echo that. People I know, well, to- I just know as a as a podcaster and journalist, podcasting there is almost all subscription based and it's like 20 times as big as it is in America. Wow. Yeah, cuz most people pay for their podcast cuz they use it almost like a um self-improvement, professional education or whatever, but it's billions of dollars. Whereas here it's, I mean, it's all free. It's all ad driven, of course, tiny in comparison. Yeah. I I think the consumer, I mean, again, I'm biased, but I think the consumer payments model is a, it allows for a much bigger pie, which is the exciting thing about it. A much bigger pie where a lot more of the value goes directly to the people who are making the stuff that we want to read and watch and listen to. I ca- I've known about you guys for a long time and then, you know, I'll read something on The Guardian and there's always just that thing at the bottom now. It's like, donate. They're a different model. They're kind of owned by a foundation, but <clears throat> I know that their business model itself is really struggling, which is ad-based. You know, on Twitch, you have, as you say, a third of this multi-billion dollar revenue stream is tips. And so you have this whole universe of creators, or in that that case, kids in their bedrooms playing video games, making millions. It's real. Very real. Yeah. And it's just like that whole premise of setting up a business based on that just seems kind of crazy to me. Yeah, I I feel that. If it weren't so stable on the creator side, I think that would, like, concern me. Yeah. But Patreon has... Yeah, the way creators grow over time is so predictable. So much so, actually, that we use it to forecast future earnings. We look really? at yeah, we look at cohorts of creators that join in a month, and we know exactly how much they're making this month, and how much we know how much they're gonna that cohort. That's kind of, of night follows day. That's just how yeah. it ends up. <laughs> you most look at of the time. cohort next to them, before them, and ahead of them, and then you you extrapolate forward. You know exactly how much that cohort's gonna be making three months from now, um, pretty predictably. So. And that that echoes, I think, another reason why Patreon is so foundational for creators is because usually as a creator, money comes in chunks. You get paid, yeah. and then you don't know if that has to last 18 months or... But that, that's the other thing. I was. It makes me think of a, a very good friend of mine who's a photographer, and he's very successful. He's done stuff in New York Times and Vogue and all this stuff, and he's basically stopped because he just can't make money on it anymore. Newspaper budgets have been cut. Magazine budgets have been cut. Digital technology makes it easier for, quote-unquote, everybody to be a photographer. And he's now he's got two kids, and he's just like, I can't. And I was actually on a job yesterday with a photographer, that story I was t- telling you about. He's like, yeah, I just applied for a job at United Way. He's like, and he's, again, doing stuff for the biggest names you recognize. He's just, I can't live like this anymore. So something like what you're doing is, like, is quite interesting for, for example, photography, where it's been completely upended. Well, the other thing I was going to say is just the way that the gigification of everything, that probably plays into your hands, I would guess. Because, you know, this idea of, you know, being a company man and working the same place for 40 years is kind of going away. And there's less stability. 
creators are a new type of person. I think which is why a lot of this movement is invisible to to so many people is because it's not like Patreon is building cars and entering the automobile market. This is a new market that is emerging and it's a new category of creation and type of people even. And it's different than it was 10 years ago. And there's more of them and there's more and more of them every day. <laughs> it's a wave. I mean, what's happening now is a is a sea change in the way creativity is funded and monetized and who gets to be a creator. Right. And how they're chosen. Yeah. Right? All these things are to- they're being uprooted over the last few years. And that will continue moving forward. And that is all the time we have. I want to thank Jack for taking the time to sit down. I really enjoyed the conversation and I must say I did go on YouTube and find one of Pamplemousse's videos, Pamplemousse, I think it's pronounced, which is uh, one of Jack's bands. And it was a mashup of uh, Pharrell's uh, Happy Get Lucky. It was actually quite cool. There's some pretty interesting visual stuff on there. So you can go check that out and obviously you'll get a bit of a more sense of the man himself. But uh, anyway, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I am off this week. I'm actually recording this outro in a very echoey room in Vegas. So hopefully it's not too echoey. And I will be back next week in the paper, but I will in the meantime be on Twitter as ever at Danny Fortson. You can also email me at danny.fortson at sunday-times.co.uk. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone.